you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. What is up? Welcome to another edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Show. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, still fully vaccinated, still dodging variants like Neo in the Matrix. I need some new variants. Maybe I have to make some kind of Loki connection or something. we got to do something with these variants. Uh, as always, <laughs> though, joined by producer Justin, by producer Hytham, a cast of dozens, the specialists behind the scenes that you don't see. And of course, right here, uh, I guess on my screen, it's to my right. I think in real life to my left. I don't know. Either way, it's Michael F. Florio. Uh, it was, uh, I always say it was a wild week, but I always feel like we always say that. But I, I guess it was sort of an interesting week this week. I don't know how to describe it, Florio. Yeah, it was interesting is a good way, I think. It was a, a lot of what we expected to happen. The opposite kind of happened. And, you know, some players came through for us, but the, the usage on some guys was just weird this week. It was, and not a lot of touchdowns scored early on. Like, we were just sitting at work just like when are when are points going to start being scored yeah offense was hard for a lot of teams uh, <laughs> in the early slate of games it did get better as the the day went on but uh, it was not great early and you're right the usage rates uh, yeah. on some players were were very very strange so we will probably uh, get into that we will also play some true or false uh, with a number of key players that we saw in week 3 we'll have your top waiver wire picks heading into week 4 and, uh, of course, we will have a Monday night football preview, the Eagles and the Cowboys, big showdown in the NFC East. Uh, we will start, as we normally do, with a little bit of fantasy news here. Some of your headlines, actually just one headline. Uh, A.J. Brown for the Tennessee Titans left the game in the first quarter, had a hamstring injury uh, in their game against the Indianapolis Colts. Did not return after leaving early. In fact, even Julio Jones ended up sitting out late in that game. According to head coach Mike Vrabel, uh, it's more about just managing guys. He sort of knew how that game would end uh, and kind of wanted to avoid risking any of these players to injury. But uh, Florio, I mean, A.J. Brown, a big part of not just what the Titans do, but a lot of fantasy teams, um, if he is out for an extended period of time, is this better for Julio? Is there somebody else there that we should be paying attention to? For right now, my thinking is it it's better for Julio Jones. I, I know like Nick Westbrook, Akeen, is that how you say his Akine, name? I know yes. he, <laughs> Akine, he ended up leading them in, in snaps yesterday. I know he scored a touchdown, but I can't tell people yet to go and pick this guy up, let alone even think about starting him in fantasy football. So, uh, I mean, they have Chester Rogers there, who, who is someone that uh, we have discussed on different fantasy shows as maybe a deep sleeper but still like I think that's what his role is kind of for now I think the big story here is AJ Brown could miss time if that happens it leads to potentially more volume for Julio Jones uh Jones like you said though played just 51 percent of the snaps I think with this being a the, the longest season ever Marcus I don't know if you if you've heard <laughs> this is, this it is, is the biggest season <laughs> it is the biggest season yet but it's very possible that teams take like this, you know, approach with their veterans, especially someone like Julio Jones, who does have a history of some nagging injuries in games where, you know, they're they're comfortably ahead, even though this was a game they only won by nine points. But in a game like that, maybe coaches think, let me get my veteran out. Let's get him some rest here. I don't want to push him or something like that. But if A.J. Brown is out, I think it just mostly benefits Julio Jones and maybe Marcus we keep seeing some targets go Derek Henry's way because yeah. if that happens, then the sky's the limit for him. Absolutely. Uh, by the way, we missed the Chester Rogers revenge game. I think we all sort of we all sort of glossed over that. Uh, he ended up having a touchdown against his old team. Uh, the other part of this is that the Titans get the Jets next week, so it, even if they don't have AJ Brown, this at least on paper is a game that seems very winnable, and it could just be a very heavy uh, Derek Henry game. Just let him kind of plow through that Jets defense. Uh, and see if they can get the win that way. All right, so we are pretty much through three weeks of the season. There's still, of course, the Monday night game to be played. Uh, but now, you know, I feel like this is the point of the season where we have started to figure some things out. Week one, 
We tend to overcorrect in one way. I think week two, we sort of overcorrect the other direction. So now, in theory, week three, we should be somewhere about in the middle. So now through pretty much three weeks, Floria, what is something you feel like you've learned? I think Saquon Barkley is is back. And I'm not saying he is back to being like the top two best player in fantasy football, but he is back to being a piece that you could just start and trust in fantasy football. The the first two weeks, Marcus, the snaps were there. He was playing over 80% of the snaps, and we love to see that because that's what his usage was like before he tore his ACL. But the production wasn't there. The touches weren't there. And that changed this week. The Giants gave him 16 carries. He only rushed for 51 yards but he did find the end zone on a goal line carry where he just jumped over the entire line and what I like most he had a team high seven targets caught six of them for 43 yards they're clearly okay with him being on the field at a high a high amount but now they're fine getting him the touches as well I know his schedule is pretty tough like next week he gets the Saints but I think if you have Saquon Barkley you just and, and I just traded for him in a league I actually before Sunday traded Mike Williams and Jamal Williams to get him uh, in the league that we're in together, Marcus, but I'm just starting him now moving forward. Like, if he's going to get touches like this, it's only a matter of time before he starts breaking out those long runs again. Yeah, and the Giants were pretty upfront about the fact that they were going to ease him back into things, and that's what we saw the first two weeks, and then it was sort of uh, all systems go in week three. It also happened to come against a very good matchup uh, in the Atlanta Falcons, so it was nice to see him take advantage of that. Now we are still waiting for the one big, breakout game the huge you know 100 yard rushing game or what have you but uh, I thought what we saw on Sunday was Saquon trending in the right direction so I think that that is encouraging Uh, for me Cooper Cup apparently is the greatest man alive Um, I mean we knew that he was good we knew that he could be productive and we definitely believed that with Matthew Stafford taking over as quarterback that big things were coming I didn't think this was going to come I mean so far Cooper Cup 25 catches, 367 yards. He's got five touchdowns already. You see 30.6 fantasy points against the Bucks on Sunday. And is far and away the target leader on this team. He's got 33 targets. The next closest is Robert Woods at 19. I mean, Florio, maybe we should have seen this. Maybe we should have seen that Matthew Stafford was going to get tunnel vision for one guy. I guess I, I didn't see this coming. But, man, if you drafted Cooper Cup, you are sitting on a gold mine right now. Yeah, I I have cup in a few leagues um, because late in draft season, I started think like pivoting a little bit because I had thought Robert Woods was going to be this team's wide receiver one. But I thought it would be a situation where both are like somewhere in like the range of like 10 through 15 or something like that. I thought both would be like a a really good one two punch for fantasy football. Uh, We've seen in recent years with the Lions like Stafford is not afraid to spread the ball around, but those morning breakfasts together must be working because he just has full tunnel vision now on Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has a 35% target share, Marcus. That is third in the NFL behind only Brandon Cooks and Devontae Adams. So he is up there as a target hog right now. People are starting to get worried about Robert Woods, and I get why. Don't drop him or anything like that. But Cooper Cup is as must-start as must-start gets right now. All I know is that if I'm a Rams receiver not named Cooper Cup, like I'm showing up at the facility with like acai bowls and like coffee <laughs> and stuff like that. Like, hey, Matt, what's going on? Need something to eat? Like, I want to do something to kind of get in his just random races. like Clayton Kershaw stories. Yeah, exactly. I remember I, I had him on my fantasy team one year and he smashed. It was great. Um, uh, so that is that is the good on the other side, though, Florio. I mean, we have talked about rookie quarterbacks. We have wanted to see them in the game. And so far this year, it has not been great for the first year quarterbacks. No, and and what I learned this week is you could stream against any rookie quarterback right now. Like, the top four defenses this week, Marcus, the Broncos face Zach Wilson, the Cardinals face Trevor Lawrence, the Saints face Mac Jones, and the Browns face Justin Fields. Top four defenses all faced a rookie quarterback. I had high hopes for this class. It hasn't come to fruition yet, and right now you could just continue to stream against them. Like, next week, the Tennessee Titans, who have given up a ton of points, get the Jets. I'm fine streaming them against the Jets next week. Yeah, it has been very, very rough. I mean, and especially because I felt like the first week, 
a lot of these rookie quarterbacks, the ones who played at least, sort of acquitted themselves well. I mean, you know, Mac Jones looked okay. Zach Wilson made some plays. Trevor Lawrence uh, had some high points there. But uh, since then, it has not been very good for that group. Uh, Trey Lance is sort of the only one who kind of gets a pass because he's not playing a whole lot. When he gets on the field, he basically scores touchdowns for the 49ers, and that's it. But he's just not getting uh, enough snaps to really be relevant one way or another. So we'll see when and if that happens for San Francisco. Um, speaking of relevant, there were a whole lot of non-relevant guys who scored touchdowns. You, you talked about uh, how we spent the first part of the day just kind of waiting for something to happen. And it did seem like when things happened, uh, they weren't guys that we had. I mean, let's here's the list of some of the random guy touchdowns we had from this week. Devin Duvernay for the Baltimore Ravens. Jody Fortson for the Chiefs. I, look, we were in the room. <laughs> we were at work. Uh, I heard Greg Gumble on TV say touchdown Jody Fortson, and I think it was producer Justin just out loud said who, uh, which pretty much summed <laughs> up the whole experience there. Alec Ingold, who is randomly becoming part of the Raiders' offense now, Lee Smith, not to be confused with the former Cubs closer, the all-time great and Hall of Famer, uh, Nick Westbrook Akini, who we mentioned, and Olamide Zacchaeus, who uh, Florio apparently is more productive than, than Kyle. We're going to talk about Kyle Pitts, but uh, apparently Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, is the receiver you want in Atlanta, which is a thing that I never thought I would say. And there's nothing more frustrating like than than like when he caught that touchdown. You see that like the Falcons, you know, the quick like one on the. You're like, is that Calvin Ridley? Maybe it's Kyle Pitt. And it's like, nope. It, it's someone <laughs> that no one has rostered in fantasy. It it doesn't help anyone. None of us spoke him up this week. Those are the worst kinds of touchdowns. Those are the worst. That is uh, why Adam Rank has built a whole segment around it called "That Helps <laughs> No One." Uh, so that was our chance to just be a little bit. Fr- We're gonna do "I'm Salty" a little bit later. These are just like these aren't even like "I'm Salty." These are just head scratchers because like I can't even be mad about the fact that someone named Jody Fortson, who I literally never heard of until yesterday, uh, scored a touchdown for the Kansas City Chiefs. Time to take a look at the top performers for week three, at least through Sunday's games. Number one, Josh Allen with a huge, I guess, bounce back game? Whatever. He had uh, his first really huge game of the season. Mike Williams at number two. Devontae Adams at three. Justin Herbert comes in at number four. Cooper Cup rounds out the top five. Matthew Stafford at six. Tom Brady is at seven. Najee Harris comes in at number eight. Kareem Hunt and Justin Jefferson rounding out the top ten. Some of the other names of note in the top 20 this week. Emmanuel Sanders, Sam Darnold uh, after the big game on Thursday night. Kirk Cousins staying hot to start the season. Alexander Madison, who ended up playing in place of the injured Dalvin Cook, goes for 23.1 fantasy points. Uh, Austin Eckler, DK Metcalf tied at 22.7. But one of the interesting names there you saw on the top 10, the top five even, uh, was Mike Williams, who for the third week in a row puts up huge fantasy numbers. He has been on fire to start the year. Four touchdowns in the first three games. So uh, is he really, truly a wide receiver one now, or is this just sort of a good start? I think it's a little bit of both. Like, I don't expect him to keep this pace up moving forward. He is the wide receiver two in fantasy football right now behind only Cooper Cup. Um, but I like I would not be surprised if he finished this year as like a top 15 wide receiver. So do I want to say top 10, top 12? I think that's borderline, but he's not too far outside of that. And the only concern I have with Mike Williams, because the usage has consistently been there, like through three weeks, I could say confidently, he is a big part of this offense. Justin Herbert is going to continue to go his way, especially in the red zone. But the only concern I have with him is injury. So if you want to shop him now, I think like if you flipped him, like let's say for like a DK Metcalf before week three, I'm fine with something like that. But there's a lot of receivers that we had ranked ahead of him coming into the year that I would no longer trade Mike Williams for. It would have to be like a bona fide stud wide receiver right now for me to give him up. I, I mean, I thought there was a good chance he'd, he'd have a nice year. I did not expect this. I mean, right now, uh, he's got about a 25% target share, which is way, way higher than I anticipated it being. But, but you know, look, I think that part of it is probably sustainable. I think the big numbers, the yardage numbers, the, the huge touchdown numbers, at some point he's going to have a game where he doesn't score a touchdown. I know that's not exactly breaking news. Um, but 
look, we wanted parts of the Charger offense for a reason. Uh, and so I do think that, that he looks like he's on pace to certainly outperform expectations this year. And you're right, as long as he can stay healthy, uh, I do think there are really, really big things coming. And I think that only helps Keenan Allen, too. The more Mike Williams performs, uh, the less pressure there is on Allen, the less, I think, defensive attention that he gets as well. So this is a situation where I think everybody sort of benefits in this Charger offense from Mike Williams playing well. Uh, James Robinson, who the first couple weeks of the season really had been sort of invisible in the Jaguars offense. Let's be honest, the Jaguar offense hadn't really produced a whole lot as a group the first couple of weeks. On Sunday, uh, even though Jacksonville sort of got rolled in the second half against the Cardinals, James Robinson sort of came to life. And the thing I noticed is they were using him a lot as a pass-catching back, especially when they were trying to come back late. So after what you saw on Sunday, are we cool with James Robinson now? Uh, I I mean, I think you're at the point now where if you have James Robinson, you, you have to start him. Like, uh, the pass game usage is the big thing, Marcus. Like, six targets. This, he's seen six targets in multiple games now this year. But the thing that still worries me is early on in the game, Carlos Hyde had more touches than him. And then Robinson, they really started to use more in the second half. And they were playing with the lead, actually. I know they lost this game by 12 points. And really, like you said, in the second half, their offense wasn't that great but they had a lead for like a solid two quarters of this game I don't know how but I'm worried about (laughs) Robinson a bit still because I think this is a Jaguars offense that isn't gonna put up a ton of points I've been wrong on Trevor Lawrence so far so those I have bigger concerns about the offense that makes me a little bit more worried about Robinson I will say if after this big game if there's someone in your league who's thinking Robinson is an RB1 like he was last year or anywhere close to that, that is the person that you find and you flip James Robinson to right now. The one thing I did notice going back to watch that game is that they were using Robinson a lot more on those RPOs uh, because that allowed Trevor Lawrence to sort of move around and either get out of the pocket and run or throw the football. Um that seemed to actually be more effective. They were using Carlos Hyde as a straight-ahead runner, which, you know, he had a couple of nice plays, but generally I don't, I don't think that's a way the Jaguars are going to win consistently. So if that means anything, if maybe Urban Meyer hit on that, um, maybe that means more for James Robinson. But it was at least nice to see him score a touchdown and have a productive day. Um, he's a guy that I still believed in, but the first two weeks were, were pretty, pretty rough. Uh, all right, so that was sort of on the good side of things. Now on the flip side, some folks that we are unhappy about. That is coming up next on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. It is time for I'm Salty, our biggest disappointments of the week. And uh, who let you down in a big way, Florio? The Ravens. I mean, I know (laughs) Justin Tucker bailed them out with the longest field goal kick ever. It was awesome. (laughs) Like everyone, Marcus, everyone in the office jumped up and couldn't believe it and was screaming when that kick went in. But the fact that this game came down to a 66-yard field goal kick is why I'm so salty today. Like Marquise Brown scored eight fantasy points in this game, but he left uh, about 20 on there. You see right there, he dropped that long catch. He dropped an open touchdown. He had a, a, a few bad drops, like where I, I tweeted, like he just didn't know how to use his hands anymore. Like it, it doesn't make right there, wide open, would have walked in for a touchdown. He, he's been awesome, and, and he cost himself a big day, and he cost Lamar Jackson a big day as well. And then also Tyson Williams, five carries, 22 yards, and just one target. He led them in snaps with 51%, but Latavius Murray had more carries than him. For most of the game, Devonta Freeman, who finished with three, had more carries than Tyson Williams. Like, at work, I was asking people, like, did Tyson Williams get hurt and I didn't see it? What's going on here? Like, did he fumble? Why is he on the bench? No rhyme or reason, no no whatsoever. Like, Tyson Williams went from giving them over 90 yards in each game to just being benched. And I don't get why. This was a great matchup for him. I started him everywhere I had him. And I know a lot of other fantasy players did as well. So a lot of people are frustrated right now with the Ravens. 
Yeah, that usage rate was very, very confusing after you mentioned he had been so good the last couple of weeks. Uh, the other thing is, I, I tweeted this too. Whenever Marquise Brown dropped the pass, uh, I would find out how many people on my timeline knew various cities in Southern <laughs> California because, you know, it was like, you know, Tarzana Brown and uh, Cerritos Brown and Bakersfield Brown, uh, which though, as our friend and researcher extraordinaire Matt Okada pointed out, people should actually be naming Florida cities because that's where Hollywood gets his name is from Hollywood, Florida not Hollywood, California, but whatever. You, uh, you could have some fun naming him after some random Florida cities, Just I'm some sure. some random Florida cities, right? He could be like Ocala Brown or something like that, you know, Kissimmee <laughs> Brown, whatever. We can, yeah, we can do some fun things with that. Um, I am salty when it comes to Robert Woods, and I'm not mad at Robert Woods. I'm not even mad at Sean McVay and the Rams offense. I guess my, my salt is uh, to be sprinkled in the direction of Matthew Stafford because he's just not really looking for Woods all that much. He really has had tunnel vision for Cooper Cup. Now, Woods is actually second on the team with 19 targets, but again, uh, just sort of the way they're using him, they're not really just getting him the football all that often. We even saw uh, Deshaun Jackson have a big day on Sunday against the Bucks, which, by the way, was another revenge game opportunity, although D-Jax has a lot of revenge game opportunities. <laughs> uh, we saw Van Jefferson get involved. Um, I still think there's a path forward for Robert Woods, but they just have to make more of an effort. I think Matthew Stafford has to make more of an effort to get him the football, though as long as Cooper Cup is balling out the way he is, uh, I just don't see any reason for them to force the football to him. So uh, if you've got him, you're sort of in a conundrum right now because, you know, I I mean, I know you said don't don't drop him just yet, but it's getting hard to start him on a weekly basis now. Yeah, I, I think with like Woods and, and someone like Allen Robinson, we've reached a point where if you if you can get them out of your starting lineup, if you have the options to do so, I'm fine with doing that until we see them get right. And don't be angry if you sit them in week four and that's when they have a good game because <laughs> like they can build on that and, and you want to see your star players putting up numbers even if it's on a week you get away from them because they've been struggling. But a lot of people last night were asking me if they could drop Robert Woods. I'm I'm far from that still just because of how good he's been the last few years and how good this offense has been. While it's all going to Cooper Cup, it's not going to like Cooper Cup isn't going to keep this pace up and it'll naturally go some will go to Robert Woods. Yes, yeah, just just stay patient there. It's not the start that anybody wanted, um, but he's too good the offense is too good it's it's gonna get better from here um so this isn't really an I'm salty this is more of an I'm confused I guess with Kyle Pitts and we obviously discussed him plenty on this show heading into the season and I sort of made the point that drafting him as the tight end four felt a little bit too rich for me because it just felt like you were drafting him at his absolute ceiling I did not expect though for it to be this frustrating we are through three weeks uh and he doesn't have a touchdown yet. He still hasn't really had a big game. Two catches for 35 yards against the Giants. Um, you know, I, I know that we're thirsty for tight ends, and we know that he is a quote-unquote unicorn, but, man, this has been rough, Mike. It has been. I'm still not dropping him yet just because of the state of tight end and how good he has been, but it's frustrating if you want to get away from him. I'm not sure you have better options, but sure, but but be patient. It, it's Really been this whole Falcons offense that has been bad, not just Kyle Pitts. Yeah, the uh, the Falcons tight end that has a touchdown. I mentioned him earlier, Lee Smith. Uh, but no Kyle Pitts. No Kyle Pitts in the end zone just yet. By the way, are you on the TikTok? Because we are on the TikTok officially. You can follow us at NFL Fantasy. It is up and running. I know that we were on set and filmed something goofy uh, to sort of help launch our new TikTok account. So uh, go check it out. Also, I, I am, because I'm trying to keep up with the kids, uh, I'm on the TikTok as well. You can follow me at Marcus Grant. It's my full whole name. Uh, and you can find me doing goofy fantasy stuff and occasionally just weird uh, movie reviews about terrible movies that I stay up late watching for no real reason uh, <laughs> on Friday night. So, uh, so go check it out. Uh, are you, You're not on the TikTok yet, are you? I need to. I keep saying I need to make my account. I checked last night actually to see if, if my other handles, because I have the same handle, if, if it's available. And it is, so I need to strike quick before someone gets it and then, you know, Ask me to pay them money for it or something like that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, you know what? I'd say this. Uh, it takes a little bit of time to sort of curate your your following and uh, you know and the, and the things that that it shows you. But once you do, like you find a nice sweet spot. Uh, I, I I'm a big part of like cooking TikTok and DIY TikTok and like gardening TikTok. That's uh, 
that has sort of become my lane there. All right. Uh, I know that none of you tuned in to hear me talk about gardening TikTok, but here we are anyway. Um, <laughs> that's a podcast, a different podcast, though. That's a, yeah, it's a whole different, you know, maybe I'll start that one day, the whole gardening TikTok podcast. It'll be great. Um, let's play some true or false here. I put together a few statements uh, of things we have seen the first few weeks, and uh, we can debate whether or not this is actually a thing that's happening or not. The first one, Najee Harris is the only startable stealer right now. Is that true or false? It. It's kind of both. It's true until Deontay Johnson returns. Then those are the only <laughs> two startable Steelers. Like Najee Harris yesterday went off. He played nine, over 95% of the snaps for a third straight week. I think it's two snaps all year that he has been off the field for. 19 targets, 14 catches. He went for over 140 yards. He didn't find the end zone, and he's still going to be a top five fantasy running back because he is getting so much volume. I know week one was off to a slow start, but this is three weeks in a row where the volume has been off the charts and two weeks where he's produced as an RB1 so he's a must start option right now but this Steelers offense in general is looking pretty bad I know all the receivers got banged up yesterday but even before they did it was hard to really trust any of them outside of Deontay Johnson and once him and Juju went down then it's Claypool but whoever's the Steelers number one wide receiver you could trust and Najee Harris and that's it it was a lot of short, quick throws from Ben Roethlisberger. There's just very few things developing downfield. And it just feels like Ben's got maybe four deep throws in him per game. Uh, and maybe one of those is going to be good. And that was part of the reason you saw Najee Harris get 19 targets uh, on Sunday, which is insane. A lot of dump-offs, including one... That was just sort of inexplicable. Fourth and ten, sort of late in the yeah. ball game, down near the end zone, and just a little dump off swing pass to Najee Harris that went absolutely nowhere. Uh, and the Steelers turned it over on downs. They have somehow not just turned Juju Smith Schuster into a tight end, they've almost made Chase Claypool uh, into another type tight end. And that's going along with Pat Fryermuth, who actually had a couple of plays and a touchdown for them uh, on Sunday. Um we were really down on Clyde Edwards-Alaire. This was sort of a make-or-break week for him against the Chargers. And at, despite a fumble early in that game that had everybody really shaking their heads, he actually turned it around and had a pretty nice game. So, uh, true or false, we're, we're okay with Clyde Edwards-Alaire now. I, I think this is true. I, I was worried about him a bit yesterday, but I did say coming into week three, you have to give him another week. You drafted him likely in the second round. You didn't do so to bench him after two down weeks. Really, just week two was the really bad week for him. Um, and then that early fumble yesterday, I was really concerned, but he played the vast majority of snaps for them. He had 17 carries for 100 yards and then two targets, one of which was a in, in a goal-to-goal situation where he scored a touchdown, and that was a big thing. They weren't using him near the goal line at all. They were taking him out for Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon, so to get him see him score was awesome. Uh, I, I'm feeling good about Clyde Edwards-Alaire, especially when you add in the fact that late in the preseason, he was dealing with an ankle sprain, so that could have limited him early on the first couple of weeks. You have to be feeling pretty good right now about CEH, and where I have him, Marcus, I am not like looking to trade him now coming off of his big game so I guess that tells you that I I do feel pretty confident with him going forward the thing that I feel really confident about is that they, they really aren't giving carries to too many other people I mean it is mostly Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting the football he's got 44 rushing attempts the next closest Daryl Williams with 11 so he really is their RB1 um, the downside is that because they have Patrick Mahomes they don't run it quite as much as other teams but as long as he can hold on to the football uh, I think things are going to be okay, but yeah, it, it it was a rough few weeks. It was you mentioned week two was not a really good one. That's the one that had everybody panicked. Uh, I also think the other part of this is uh, this means you can start running backs against the Chargers because it's been a few weeks in a row now that they have given up some fantasy points to the running back position. So uh, I think that's another thing that came out of what we saw on Sunday. Uh, the Charger defense is pretty good against the pass, maybe not so much against the run. So uh, start your running backs there. Um, Mentioned Josh Allen. He uh, a top scorer this week in fantasy. So true or false, Josh Allen is back now. This is true. I, I don't fully think Josh Allen ever went away. I know he had two down weeks. I'm biased. I know Josh Allen is my favorite player <laughs> in football, but... He had two down weeks, but it was against the Steelers and Miami defenses, two defenses that are very tough, especially that Pittsburgh defense. They might be the best in the NFL when healthy. And then this week was against Washington. That was a defense that we thought was scary. They've been picked apart for a third straight game. 
What I love about Josh Allen, the Bills are still throwing the ball 60% of the time, so you're going to get a ton of passing volume out of him. He's still taking plenty of deep shots, as you're seeing on the screen. I mean, he makes 10-year throws look like nothing, and he just airs it out whenever he can. But he's also running. He had a rushing touchdown uh, yesterday. Last week, he nearly had another one, too. He was ruled down at the half-yard line, so you have to love that. And I was saying how his early season schedule was tough. Well, it, it opens in a big way now, Marcus. The next six games, the Texans, the Chiefs, the Titans, the Dolphins, the Jaguars, and the Jets. I mean, the, the buy-low window for Allen has firmly shut, but these next <laughs> six weeks, he can go on a run and be the QB1 over this span, and I don't think it would surprise anyone. This was definitely one where I felt like the panic was way premature. I wasn't really worried about Josh Allen and his production. And I think the other part that we've seen is he's getting so many more people involved. We know Stefan Diggs is going to be Stefan Diggs. That's never going to be a problem. But we saw Emmanuel Sanders have a really nice game on Sunday. Cole Beasley is getting involved. Dawson Knox, uh, who led me to make a bunch of really terrible Dawson's Creek puns on Twitter, uh, is, is starting <laughs> to make some plays in that offense as well. So, um, you know, and then as you mentioned, he's running the football. He's still going to be effective running the ball and score those rushing touchdowns. So, you know, I, it wasn't a great start. But I think anybody who was panicked over Josh Allen was way premature on that, and, and everything's going to be cool there. Um, I'm old enough to remember when Jamar Chase had skillets for hands, and because there were no white stripes on the football, he apparently couldn't see it. Uh, since then, all he's done is score four touchdowns in his first three regular season NFL games. Uh, so true or false, he is a weekly must-start now. I think this is true, and I'll say it with the caveat, like, yeah, he's not going to catch a touchdown every game, and I don't love the targets, like, 7, 4, 5. I would like it if he was getting more volume, but the thing is, the type of targets that he's getting are so valuable. These long shots downfield, that, that's the way that you could add, you could score fantasy points in big chunks, and that's exactly what he's done. Uh, and he's done it, like, against Pittsburgh, a tough defense. So... I think he's kind of matchup proof at this point. It's a matter of if he's going to catch the long ball or not. But so far, we're seeing that him and Burrow have great chemistry, and they're going to take a few of those shots each week. I do like that he was also targeted in the red zone. Finally, someone besides T. Higgins gets a red zone target and only took T. Higgins not playing. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of chase. I think if you have him, he is a player that you just start right now. But I would say if also if I have Jamar Chase and so like and someone makes me a really good offer for him, I'm not afraid to take it because four and five targets the last two weeks isn't isn't the best. So I, I like the production, but I would want more volume for him. That's sort of the part where I, I'm not sure he's a weekly must-start, but he's definitely a guy that, like, right now there aren't a lot of better options because of the targets he's getting. Uh, that first touchdown catch he made was ridiculous where he sort of caught the back half of the ball on its way down <laughs> uh, and ended up scoring a touchdown. But the, the chemistry is as a parent between he and Joe Burrow. Obviously, they were teammates in college. That definitely helps. But I still think they're going to be weeks. You know, when Higgins is back, there will be the T. Higgins weeks. I think there will still be Tyler Boyd weeks. So, um, yeah, maybe this is really kind of a sell-high opportunity on Jamar Chase because there's there's probably some, uh, some good assets you could get back in return for somebody that needs wide receiver help. Um, Chase Edmonds, James Conner, uh, they will both be fantasy-relevant for the rest of the season, true or false? This is true, but not in the way that I think fantasy players want to hear. Like, it's not like either of these guys are must-start options, but both of them touch the ball enough to warrant being rostered in fantasy football. I think Edmonds has the safer floor with a little bit more upside because he is the one that is going to lead them in touches each week, especially because he is going to catch all the passes that the running backs get from Kyler Murray. But James Conner is clearly their goal line back. He's kind of in that... Kenyon Drake role from last year so that limits the upside of Ed, of Edmonds and they're just gonna for me I, I put on Twitter yesterday I think both are just kind of flex options whereas if one of them were getting the role they could be an RB2 or even higher but as long as both of them are, are splitting the work like they are I think they both just come in as like weekly flex options each week 
I think that's the case. And it's like neither one of them, I think, is going to consistently get enough to feel really great about them in any given situation. Chase Edmonds is the pass-catching guy that they want to get out in space and use him as a satellite back. James Conner, a bigger player, they want to use him more as kind of a between-the-tackles runner. So for Edmonds, you need him to catch a lot of passes or get a lot of yards after catch in order to be relevant. For James Conner, you sort of need that touchdown upside for him to be relevant. So they're, they're going to be a headache for a lot of people all year long. And, you know, sometimes you'll guess right, sometimes you'll guess wrong. And that's going to be really frustrating uh, if you have one, either one of them uh, on your roster this year. Time for another break. We come back, we will look at the waiver wire because uh, if you're not making moves, you're just standing still and you're probably getting passed up. So uh, stay tuned for folks you might want to add to your roster heading into week four when we return on the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Let's run through the top waiver wire ads for week four. Michael F. Florio, the floor is yours here. Yeah, I think Sam Darnold is the top QB ad. He's been playing really well as of late, gets the Cowboys next week. Daniel Jones is still running, so I like him there. Uh, Chuba Hubbard, Alexander Madison, Naheem Hines, Cordero Patterson, some running backs that have really stepped up and gotten a lot of volume as of late. And then Royce Freeman, Zach Moss. Peyton Barber and Giovanni Bernard are some backup options in case you miss out on those top four running backs. Henry Ruggs is my top wide receiver ad of the week, followed by Cole Beasley, A.J. Green, Emmanuel Sanders. Still can't quit Terrace Marshall Jr. Uh, Kadarius Toney, just because every giant is banged up right now. And then I know tight ends is kind of a wasteland, but Hooper, Knox, and Freermuth are, are guys who found the end zone this week and, and have been seeing a little bit of consistent volume. So uh, if you're diving deep at tight end, those are some names for you. We're all pretty much if, – if you don't have, you know, Travis Kelsey or Darren Waller, <laughs> you're diving deep pretty much uh, at tight end. I guess I could throw TJ Hawkinson in that list because aside from, from yesterday, he's been pretty good for, for the first few weeks of the season. Um, Zach Moss was, was on that list, and this is a guy who went from a healthy scratch – or at least we thought he was a healthy scratch, a surprise inactive. How about that? A surprise inactive in week one uh, to coming back and having a smallish role in week two to – uh, suddenly getting most of the snaps at running back in week three. Um, what? I, I, I don't even know what to do with this backfield now. Yeah, I, I, I mean, he played 55% of the snaps yesterday. He led them with 13 carries for 60 yards and then had three targets, caught all three of them for 31 yards and a touchdown. Uh, my reaction to that, Marcus, was uh, what as well. So... <laughs> It looked like Devin Singletary was the lead back through two weeks. Now, after yesterday, it's looking like Zach Moss uh, is at least competition to steal his starting rollback. Plus, like I said earlier, Josh Allen scored a rushing touchdown, nearly had one last week. I think we're back to the point right now, Marcus, where both of the Bills running backs are worth rostering, but neither one can be started with any sort of confidence right now until we at least see this maybe settle out because it could just be how it's been the last two weeks, give and take each week. Uh, it, it's... Uh... It feels like it's going to be a lot like last year where like neither guy is going to be really exciting enough to feel confident in starting him uh, every week. Speaking of confidence and starting, uh, Peyton Barber, big game for the Raiders. 23 carries, 111 yards, also had a touchdown playing in place of the injured Josh Jacobs. Um, this feels like a mirage, man. Like this, <laughs> We're not going out and adding Peyton Barber expecting him to do this every week, right? He seems just like an emergency option at this point. Yeah, that's exactly what he is. I actually had to pick him up in in the pace league that we are in together. It's a 14-team league, and I, I was without Josh Jacobs, so I said, all right, I guess I'm using Peyton Barber here. And, and it paid off for week three. I don't anticipate it paying off really at any point again this year, especially because once Jacobs is back, Peyton Barber goes to, to the wasteland again. Like, Kenyon Drake is clearly in this second RB role, even when Josh Jacobs is out. So I do think you could drop Kenyon Drake right now if you have him on your roster, because when are you ever going to feel confident using him? But Barber is really just a deeper league emergency type of pickup, Marcus, if you need some running back help. But once Josh Jacobs is back, throw this guy back on the waiver wire. 
So I know I said that, right? And then as I'm thinking about this, the Raiders have the Chargers on uh, Monday Night Football next week. And I you know, said earlier that you can start running backs against the Chargers. So maybe if Peyton Barber is still there, worth a flex spot <laughs> in week four? If, I, I think he's the ultimate you, you have on your roster if you have Josh Jacobs. Because then you're, you're comfortable either way going into Monday night because Jacobs could be up in the air. There's no way I would feel comfortable starting him on Sunday if Jacobs was still in, up in the air going into Monday. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, Naheem Hines still hanging around in that Colts offense, still making plays, still getting targets. Uh, do we worry about Jonathan Taylor after three weeks? Marcus, you know I'm a huge Jonathan Taylor fan, <laughs> and I, I want to say no, but yes, I'm worried now because Jonathan Taylor yesterday only had 10 carries for 64 yards. Not only did Naheem Hines have six carries for 25 yards, he got a goal. It, it was like a nine-yard touchdown run. They didn't give it to Taylor. They gave it to Hines. Then Hines had six targets, his second game this year with six or more targets. Taylor only had three, and... Naheem Hines also played more snaps. I get it's partially game script dependent because the Colts were trailing for much of this game, but that means that in games where the Colts are trailing, we're going to see Jonathan Taylor pulled off the field for Naheem Hines. Marcus, this feels like I woke up in early 2020 season <laughs> where we're waiting on Jonathan Taylor and we're saying once he gets the opportunity, he's going to run wild. We've seen that happen already, and they're still heavily getting Naheem Hines involved. I, I wish I could tell you, there's no reason to panic on Jonathan Taylor. You're not dropping him or anything like that. But there's there's reason to be very worried right now about Jonathan Taylor. He had 64 yards on 10 carries. I mean, you know, you could do the easy math. That's 6.4 yards per carry. You would think that alone would be enough to keep giving him the football. He was obviously effective. But uh, Frank Reich apparently just didn't see it that way. And, and he saw a lot of Naheem Hines uh, getting opportunities on Sunday. Uh, all right. So having gone through all of that, who are you marking as your top waiver wire option for week four? For me, it is Chuba Hubbard, uh, who will be filling in for Christian McCaffrey, who has a hamstring strain. They're not sure if they're going to put him on the IR or not yet, but he's going to be out at least a couple of weeks. It's sounding more like it might be a few weeks. And we saw last season what a running back can do in Christian McCaffrey's absence. Like Mike Davis went from being a journeyman running back who we had no interest in fantasy to being an RB1 on the year and an RB2 in points per game because he saw 70 targets. And that's why I'm so excited because Christian McCaffrey is such a unique player that the Panthers have a ton of design pass plays to the running back in their playbook. And I mean, he basically roll on any passing play. He's running a route. He's not just standing next to the quarterback pass blocking, which naturally is just going to lead to a lot of targets for the replacement option because they're just not going to completely revamp their playbook on the fly. Hubbard in week three, he played 56% of the snaps. Freeman only had 14. He had 11 carries and five targets, and that is in a game where McCaffrey played for most of the first half. So I think there will be a lot of volume going Hubbard's way just because of his role in this offense now. I will say what I said last year, too, when Mike Davis took over. Like, Don't necessarily pick up Hubbard and plug him in expecting McCaffrey-type production. I know that that sounds like a duh sort of thing, but you know, I feel like I just have to put that out there. Like, you know, if, if he's not giving you 25, 27, 30 points a game, don't sit here and say Chuba Hubbard is whack. No, you just are missing a player that is sort of, you know, I next mean, level. <laughs> so I think that's if he sort gives of you thing. 15 a game, like that's amazing off the waiver wire. Yeah, that'd be absolutely great if that's what he ends up giving you. Uh, I would say that I, I may use a waiver priority on Cordero Patterson this week just because uh, I do think there's a big role for Hubbard, but I think that role is, you know, it's as long as Christian McCaffrey is out. Cordero Patterson, I think, is here to stay in the Falcons' offense. I mean, they are using him in so many different ways. He is primarily a running back. They're lining him up in the backfield. But that gap, that snap uh, gap between he and Mike Davis is closing week by week. Uh, it's starting to become more of a 60-40 split. I think it started out, it was kind of a 70-30. Uh, you know, now it's about a 60-40 and maybe getting even closer. On top of it, they can still split Patterson out wide. I mean, he was a wide receiver originally when he came in the league. They can still use him as such when they want to. And I just feel like, you know, the the role is actually ongoing. Uh, I'm surprised he's still available in so many leagues. But uh, go get him because uh, I think this is going to be a thing that continues. I didn't think we saw this coming. I mean, nobody nobody anticipated Cordero Patterson being a thing this year, Florio. But, but here we are. 
Yeah, I, I definitely didn't. And the reason why so many people were excited, I, I wasn't a huge Mike Davis supporter, but the one thing I thought he would get was consistent targets. And yeah, he did see four last week, uh, yesterday. But seven for Patterson, two weeks in a row now with seven targets for him. He led them in receiving yards. He is definitely a name that you should be grabbing off the waiver wire this week. Definitely, definitely. Uh, by the way, if you want more waiver wire picks, you can go check out Michael F. Florio's weekly column on NFL.com. You can find it at NFL.com slash waiver wire. So uh, there will be plenty of those names and some analysis about uh, why you should be making a play for some of those guys uh, heading into week four. One more game left on the schedule for week three, the Monday night contest in Dallas between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Big one uh, in the NFC East race, but also one with a lot of fantasy intrigue because there are a lot of players uh, that are very relevant and have or will be going in lineups uh, tonight. So I kind of came up with some either or questions basically for this one. The first one, uh, who you got at the quarterback spot, Jalen Hurts or Dak Prescott? I love Dak, but I'm going with Jalen Hurts in this one. I mean, last week, Hurts didn't throw a passing touchdown, and he failed to throw for 200 passing yards, and he still scored 22 fantasy points because what he just gives with his legs. So in a game where I think he will put up better passing numbers and will still give us at least 60 rushing yards because that's basically what he's done in every full start he's had in the NFL, I think his floor and ceiling is very high. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, And what I'm hoping is a pretty high-scoring matchup tonight. I... Partly, I partially put this question on here because I have my own personal dilemma where I have both these guys on a roster. So uh, I have made the decision to go with Dak Prescott in this one. I just think because the passing volume is so great uh, for the Cowboys. And look, Dak, nobody's going to confuse him with Hurts when it comes to running, but he can run just enough to be relevant and kind of pick up those extra points. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here. I've been agonizing it over it all week long. Uh, I finally made the decision to start Dak. Uh, I very well could you know be upset at the end of the night. Although I think both of these guys will have pretty good games. I think you're going to see them around the 20 to 25 point mark uh, in this one. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go Dak here. Uh, over to the running back spot between Miles Sanders and Ezekiel Elliott. Which one of those two guys would you lean toward? I'm going with Zeke. I, I know that this would have been a crazy question to ask even a week ago. Zeke <laughs> is not a top 24 fantasy running back right now because Tony Pollard's eating so much of his production. But Miles Sanders does have to worry about Kenny Gainwell stealing some targets as well. I'm going to go with Zeke here, even though the Philly defense uh, against the run is a little bit tougher. But if we come out of this game, Marcus, and Tony Pollard is out touching, out targeting Zeke again, and, you know, seeing something like 10 to 15 touches like he did last week, I think then you have to really start to reevaluate Zeke. But for right now, I, I still have to go with him over Miles Sanders. Maybe this is me panicking and overreacting a little bit, but I'm going to go with Miles Sanders uh, just because (laughs) of that Tony Pollard factor. I mean, part of it is that the Eagle run defense is okay. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's sort of middle of the road. Um, But to kind of put up average rushing numbers and then have to split that time, uh, it's been about a a 65-35 split, actually maybe even more 60-40 split uh, in the backfield for the Cowboys with Tony Pollard getting more targets there. So that sort of worries me, whereas I know Kenneth Gainwell a little bit of a thing in Philadelphia, but not as much as Pollard is in Dallas. Uh, and then, you know, we always want to pick on that Cowboy matchup. So I'm going to give a slight edge to Miles Sanders. Again, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm, I'm reading too much into what happened last week, but that's sort of where I am emotionally with this right now. Um, last one, we will keep this on one side of the ledger when it looks at, when you look at wide receivers, uh, Amari Cooper versus C.D. Lamb, who you got? I have to go with my boy, C.D. Lamb. Uh, I know week one, they both had monstrous games. They each had, I mean, Lamb had 15, Cooper had 17 targets. But last week, the usage for Cooper was a little weird. He was only targeted five times. C.D. Lamb saw nine, so now he's up to two more targets on the year than Cooper. I think both of these guys are very similar players. Like, which one is going to catch the touchdown? Which one is going to get the deep shot from Dak? That That's probably going to be the one that has a better game on any given week. I think most weeks we could value these guys as borderline wide receiver ones, but I just think CeeDee Lamb is a little bit more explosive, especially after the catch. So I'll go with him, but it, it these two are, it's almost a coin flip for me, Marcus. It, it really is. I'm going to go with Amari Cooper because 
it's a coin flip. I mean, I, I don't know that when you look at their production, if you look at their numbers, there isn't anything that vastly separates one from the other. It almost feels like a week-to-week proposition, that one week uh, it's going to be Cooper with the big numbers. The next week it's going to be C.D. Lamb with the big numbers. And so uh, maybe just in the rotation of things, it just feels like Amari Cooper is up. But I don't, I don't think that anybody can give you any real analysis uh, that will lead you to definitively say it's one guy over the other so this one and I know this isn't necessarily you know great analytic football but uh, my gut says it's Amari Cooper this week because I just don't have any other real analysis to give you they're both really good they're both really productive I just think one's going to have a slightly better game than the other that's all I got if you have to decide between one or the other on your roster you're probably in a pretty good position already yeah, although I would also say maybe trade one just to you know alleviate yeah. that headache <laughs> on a week-to-week basis because uh, that's a pretty frustrating place to be. Um, as we wrap up, I, I wanted to take uh, a couple of minutes to remember Mike Tagliere. And if you listen to this show regularly, you very likely know who he is, probably from his great work at Fantasy Pros, uh, probably from his couple of appearances he made on this program. Uh, If so, you also very likely know that he passed away over the weekend after a long bout with COVID-19. I first met Mike when he was first a guest on this show, I had read his work uh, at Fantasy Pros, was intrigued by it, invited him to come on, and we immediately hit it off. Uh, he was just a, a wonderful guest to have on. Um, but what sort of deepened my connection was when I first met him in person a few years ago at the King's Classic Draft in Canton, Ohio, and we just immediately bonded. He was just so easy to talk to, uh, so much fun. And on top of it, just, you know, was uh, just an incredible person. Um, really deep, loved the work, uh, worked harder than pretty much anybody else you would ever find, was always coming up with new and creative things. But on top of it was just uh, a good man, um, a guy who loved his family, who took care of his family. Uh, even the last time we talked to him here on this show was a day that uh, he was off to get a root canal, but uh, was still just cheerful and joyful, full of life, full of just enjoying everything he did. And um uh, I know it's it's certainly a tough time for a lot of folks in this industry, but certainly for the people who were close to him, uh, it's just it's just been a, really a surprise, really a shock, and uh, we'll definitely miss him. He was always the guy that I looked forward to talking to in person on those trips to Canton, and um, that's gone now. But uh, I just wanted to, to take a minute to remember a guy who really meant a lot, uh, I think, to all of us personally and professionally. And uh, it's going to be hard not having not having the tags around anymore. Yeah, I just want to echo your sentiment. I unfortunately never had the pleasure of meeting Mike in person, but he was someone that I I would message and talk to often on Twitter. And at one point when I was still, you know, figuring my way out in this industry and I was at a pretty low point, like I I hit tags up and and he was responded right away and gave me words of encouragement and, and told me to stick with it. And as someone who prides myself on work ethic Mike Tags was always someone that I looked up to because no one worked harder in the fantasy industry than Tags did and I mean you you just type his name in on Twitter right now and and you see the outpouring of love and support from everyone in the fantasy community and uh the link is on the screen but there's a GoFundMe right now to help uh to help Tags's family and I mean they they crushed their goal in like an Mm -hmm. hour so that tells you just how beloved Tags was in this industry he'll be missed and uh just nothing but but our thoughts and and prayers to his family at this time right now. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Our condolences and, and and our best thoughts out to uh, his wife Tabby, to his kids, uh, to all the folks who were close to him, and to all all our friends over at Fantasy Pros who were uh, so close uh, and friends with Tags as well. He will absolutely be missed uh, forever and ever. All right, in the meantime, for us, that is it. We are done. We appreciate you hanging out with the NFL Fantasy Football Show. You know the drill. Tell two friends to tell two friends. Rate, review, and remember, be the things you loved most about the people who are gone. Be safe, take care of yourselves, get vaccinated, and we'll see you on Wednesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. 
Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.